0: coming up this week on breaking badness today we discuss botango on the prowl malware written in golang next up the cubot thickens and the rise of squirrel waffle and of course our fun game two truths and a lie with that breaking badness is next Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 103, recorded on November 15th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey Ponderella LaBelle, with me co-host Tim Golang, 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 Golang. Helming. And I know I messed it up, Tim, and I want to hear your take on your intro here in a second. And then, of course, last but not least, special guest, Taylor I prefer chicken with my waffles, Wilkes-Pierce. Welcome, you two. Good
1: day, you
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, Squirrel, uh, there is in the famous Joy of Cooking cookbook, which at least in my childhood was on every kitchen bookshelf, including my mom's. Uh, there is a, a there are directions on how to skin a squirrel. If you're gonna cook cook it, so that's the the joy of cooking. It's the probably the most famous cookbook ever. I may mean, skip wants a that recipe. That.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dog has some thoughts. I'd I mean, say. it's
2: really bizarre, you know. But I guess, well, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, coming out of the depression, maybe there, you know, Whole Foods wasn't there, wasn't an option.
1: The whole squirrels were there. They were there. They
2: needed to be skinned. Correct.
0: Best eaten with waffles. Yeah, I have to say, I, I I have come to dislike squirrels now that I've seen how they mock my dog on a regular <laughs> basis, and I understand the um, the interest in decreasing their population from a dog's perspective. They they like throw nuts on their head, and they like purposely let them get close enough to think they have a chance, and then no chance, not going to happen, Captain. <laughs>
2: Also, if they get into your like your attic or something like that, you got a problem. It's true. I mean, it's, it's just true. like at that point, just sell sell the house, slap a fresh coat of paint on it, and uh, uh, sell it and get out of there. It's a squirrel's house now. And hope, hope they don't hire a good inspector.
0: You know? Oh gosh! Well, Taylor, thank you for joining. This is your second week in a row, is it not?
1: I believe so. Yeah, we're making a habit out of this, y'all. That's right. There it's are a good many habit.
0: Yeah. How many hoodie parts are just sitting on your floor? I know that you're sitting there with scissors cutting up some of your clothing.
1: I'm in the lab. I'm just disassembling and reassembling <laughs> hoodies and getting them down to their
2: components so I can score them. I just realized this. His name is Taylor. That's yeah. that's exactly right. I just put it together late to the party.
0: <laughs> the show is Taylor made. At least this one, the last
2: one. No hemming or hawing about that.
0: <laughs> uh, That joke was (laughs) so-so. Oh, gosh. Well, let's um, nitpick, if you will, some articles from this week. And first up, we have Botina Go on the prowl. So, Botina Go, written in Google's Golang programming language, can exploit more than 30 different vulnerabilities. So I think probably a good place to start is level setting what Golang is. Would you uh, kick us off with that, Tim?
2: Well, with apologies to the chiffons, Golang, Golang, Golang. Uh, (laughs) It is, it's probably the programming language with the cutest mascot animal. Kelsey, do you know what its mascot animal is? I do not. Well, you won't be surprised to hear that it's a gopher. Uh, so you can look that up. Maybe we should uh, put a an image <laughs> of that in the show notes, but there is more to this language than it's spirit animal. So the syntax of Go uh, is sort of similar to C, but it has some more modern features like static typing and various runtime efficiencies, readability and usability, kind of like a Python or a JavaScript. And then it's got high performance networking and multi processing. And so Basically, what happened is the creators of it just got sick of C++ and made something that they like better. Uh, by the way, the official name of this language is Go rather than Golang, but a lot of people call it Golang because other people call it that, and uh, well, also because of the domain name for it. But there are a few oh little projects that you might have heard of uh, that are written in Go, such as Docker and Kubernetes and Terraform and lots of... Popular services use it a lot, like this thing called Netflix, which I don't, don't they rent CD-ROMs or something like that? Anyway, Mm, uh, and Uber and Twitch. So it's, I think it's safe to say it's here to stay.
0: Well, speaking of that, Tim, first of all, I want to say I, I, for a second, I was weary that the cute mascot was going to be a squirrel and that I might've disturbed a number of our audience (laughs) members, um, (laughs) but <laughs> good to hear that it's a gopher. That is cute and ponderful. Uh, but I am curious, then, now that you've given us uh, some insight into to Golang or the Go programming language, what Botana Go is and how it was discovered.
2: Yeah, you say Botana, I say Botina. I don't know. I think I kind of like Botana. I think that's how I'm going to say it for the rest of this podcast. So so this is an interesting new botnet that's targeting the little things on the internet, like IoT devices, or uh, that is Internet of Things, or home routers. Um, we'll go into more detail about how it actually works in a moment. But as far as the discovery of it goes, the credit there goes to at and Alien Labs. And for background on that, a lot of folks may have forgotten that in 2018, at and purchased Alien Vault and all the things that go with it, like the Open Threat Exchange, or OTX, which is a the most Popular crowdsourced kind of threat exchange of its type, uh, probably just sort of rivaling popularity of Virus Total. But uh, AT and T intentionally left AlienVault alone uh, in a lot of ways, so it's easy to forget that that's part of it. Anyhow, this bot that's written in Go is kind of a Swiss Army knife with more than thirty different attack functions.
0: I'm trying to think of something to play off, like more bars and more places. Anyway, can't get there. Can't get there. Well, I'm curious then, how is this attack that the article is referencing today using Botina Go to execute the malware? Um, And I've decided Botina and Botina Go both sound like some sort of delicious tropical beverage, perhaps?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're also, you know, somebody could form a... uh a women's band that's a tribute to this called the Botana Go-Go's.
0: But whatever would they wear on their feet?
2: Well, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> w- what would they what would they wear on their feet, Kelsey? Go-Go boots. Yes. All right. See, that's why you can't call it Golang, because then that doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't parse, right? Anyhow, <laughs> Botana Go sets up shop by mapping its various attack functions. Remember, it's a Swiss Army knife. To the various vulnerable device types and then it starts hitting local devices with get requests to pull back the server banner information that conveniently tells it if it has a targetable system because you've you've all seen if you've done a get request at the terminal you see how the the server returns information about itself so and lots of different logins and stuff do that but what's interesting about this report about it is that it seems to uh, that the way that it determines which victim IP addresses to target is interactive. So it sets up listeners on backdoor ports. And then when it's given an IP to hit, it runs the exploit code that's appropriate to that particular type of victim device. Uh, it can also run in a purely interactive mode where it's listening for terminal commands. So, why would it work that way? Well, that's a good question. Um, there is reason to believe that this could be just a beta version of the malware that was leaked, either accidentally or intentionally in some three-dimensional chess kind of way. And, and why do we think that? Well, so in part because the payloads that could potentially be downloaded from C2 servers for this uh, malware, they've all been removed. Those payloads have been removed by the malware creators. And also... If you just think about the interactive nature of it, uh, that doesn't scale, of course, in any way whatsoever. So it seems most likely that we're seeing a piece of malware that's in development. But having said that, uh, well, I should say, and having said that, even though uh, we have an excellent chance to potentially get ahead of it, I do have this ominous feeling that if you look at Shodan, which shows right now today, you know, thousands and thousands of devices that would be vulnerable to this Malware. I bet a month from now it's not going to look that different on Shodan, unfortunately. Sorry to express so little faith in humanity, but it is Monday morning and it's raining like crazy. <laughs> Listen, I'm patching everything as quick as I can, too. There you go. That's <laughs> good. Especially the heart monitors, and <laughs> kidney machines. Good thing you are
0: a tailor. Taylor. Good for patching. Gosh, it <laughs> works on Great. so many levels. Well, when is. Uh Botanico potentially dangerous, speaking of who should be concerned and what can be done to um, tailor, if you will, your security practices?
2: Yeah. So, well, as you might expect, uh, whenever you have a device with one of those vulnerabilities that are exploited by Botanico and it's presented directly to the internet, well, that device is at a major risk. And like I mentioned, there are some showdown searches that you can run that will show there are many, many thousands of those out there. And also, as you'd probably expect, many of the CVEs that are associated with these exploits have, guess what, they've been around for a while. So actually the newest ones, at least that are in the Alien Labs report on this uh, are from 2020, and the oldest CVEs that they list are from 2014. So most of these CVEs do appear to have patches, but at least one of them that I saw affects devices that are end-of-life and no longer supported, so presumably unpatched. Uh, Anyway, from what I just described there, you can probably guess that the fixes would be stuff like firewall your stuff and patch your stuff, if you can. Now, uh, some of these devices in the category that are exploitable by this malware have to be exposed to the internet. They're routers, so that's kind of what routers do. So if you have a router that's exposed to the internet, good job, that's what it's for, um, unless it's an internal one. But, uh, so you, you can't really hide those, but you do uh, have to patch those routers. Um, but you know, lots of these devices that are exposed are not routers and therefore should be sitting inside some kind of a perimeter. That's uh, secure against things like installing backdoor ports and whatnot. So people, speaking of routers, people should be familiar with the admin page for their home routers and should regularly check those for firmware updates because we see home routers get targeted all the time for various kinds of exploits. And some of of those routers will auto-update and some of them don't. So I would like to ask everyone listening, take out your smartphone now pause the podcast and then set a calendar reminder to periodically check your router's firmware. And uh, then don't forget to hit play on the podcast again. Uh, but the report from Alien also has a number of IOCs. so uh, it might be a good idea to do a little hunting on those IOCs in your network logs if you have, for some reason, have non-router type devices exposed to the internet. There are, I noticed, a couple of hard-coded IP addresses in there that I would assume are going to get burned before long. Uh, and one of those IPs doesn't have any recent domains on it, according to Passive DNS, and the other one never had any domains on it at all. So those are going to be on VirusTotal and other places soon if they're not already, and they'll get their way onto the different block lists. But, you know, if this actually is beta in development, then those are probably just the test IPs for it anyway. So... Uh, there are uh, there are other IPs, undoubtedly. Once it goes into production, as they say, that will come and go for this botnet. See what I did there, Kelsey?
0: Beautifully, beautifully done. Well executed, Tim. <laughs> uh, and I, I want to skip to a different topic of conversation. That's a bit more. Let's say we're getting out of the mosh pit up into the balcony here before we discuss hoodie ratings, but. According to uh, research from Intesar, there have they've they've identified a significant uptick in malware co-written in Go. And I'm just curious why you think that is, Tim?
2: Yeah, so they they say that they've seen the use of Go in malware go up two thousand percent over the last few years. I don't think in the report I saw they didn't identify how many years is the last few years, but and of course you've got to assume there's some law of small numbers at play there to see that kind of an increase but i think one of the main explanations for why it's proliferating the way that it is is it tends to be as as of now anyway uh, tricky for a lot of av technologies to detect so there's a window of time and we're in that window right now when it'll be especially appealing i think to a lot of malware authors to build malware in go Hmm.
0: does it sound like go will stop soon
2: I just didn't have anything to come back to that one. I was just scared. Sorry for yeah. the awkward pause.
0: <laughs> I never want to step on anybody's joke. So I always pause more longer than I probably is comfortable. Oh, for your expectations
2: for, for, at least for me, are way too high. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, thank you for that analysis. And now that we've had the chance to hear your thoughts on this whole conversation around Botana Go!, Let's talk of hoodie ratings. And as a reminder for those who have joined us previously and have forgotten or anybody new listening to the podcast, our hoodie rating system is intended to give you a sense as a defender of how concerned you should be. And hoodies are the the, the nomenclature, the image nomenclature, essentially, for defenders these day. We just like to play off that um, that cliche there. So the more hoodies on a scale of zero to 10, the more concerned you should be. So Taylor, I'm gonna start with you and ask, how how many hoodies would you rate this at?
1: You know, given that it is targeting like a lot of older things, uh, you know, it does appear to be more of a beta that's manually operated and not super scaled out yet. I'd say right now it's not uh, the most concerning thing, or super concerning, right? Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of how many Deca hoodies we're going to break this down into. (laughs) No, I put it like, let's go 4.3 hoodies. Like uh, four hoodies and then another hood and a sleeve and and like maybe a drawstring.
0: (laughs) Send a picture of that um, (laughs) deconstructed hoodie when you have a chance. Taylor's fractional hoodies
2: are are always a highlight.
0: It's true. (laughs) It's true. There's a whole segment on that in the hundredth episode. I'm glad we'll have more to pull from for the two hundredth.
2: <laughs> if you ever really feel that your your rating just has to be a round number, what I think you should do, like say your rating was going to be eight, I think you should say seven hoodies and a body and a sleeve and both sleeves and the hood and the drawstring and the front pocket.
1: Yeah, I would be like seven hoodies and then two just the right side of the hoodies. You know, definitely two hoodies split in half to make a (laughs) full. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tim, how many fractional hoodies plus full hoodies would you put this at?
2: I think this one's pretty low. I actually am going to go a little lower and say this is 3.78 hoodies. So three and 780 milli hoodies because. (laughs) Right now, we don't understand enough about how it would be uh, operated in the wild since right now it's victim selection seems to be interactive in some way unless, you know, unless the report uh, or my interpretation of the report or something was off. So it it does look like it's only part way there. So we can't really tell, but the way it looks right now, I don't think it's a very high rating. However, the reason I think this is an interesting story is, first of all, um, because of the reasons that Go looks like it could represent some danger uh, uh, in the future, and also because we just see that it's kind of relentless how these, these IoT devices get hit. So, you know, if this thing is completed in a way that makes it uh, truly functional, then you're probably going to see a lot of these things get hit, unfortunately.
0: Well, it would behoove everyone to make sure everything is up up to date with their patches when possible, and do some threat hunting. Um, and in the meantime, let's talk about our second article for the week, which is the QBot thickens. So the activity of the QBot, also known as QuackBot, banking trojan, is spiking again, and analysts from multiple security research firms attribute this rise to the rise of Squirrel Waffle. And now that I'm saying squirrel waffle out loud, I'm doing it in the Hot Pocket jingle. Squirrel waffle. And um, yeah, that makes it a little bit more fun to talk about.
2: And- There's a meme that my kids were sending around a while ago with Hot Pockets, uh, all kinds of Photoshopped Hot Pockets recipes that, uh, <laughs> not recipes, but varieties. They were, they were pretty awful. But one of them had some kind of, oh... Little rodent type thing in it. I don't remember what it was. It was gross. Don't go. Don't go looking for that.
0: <laughs> Somebody told me recently that young people say memes are dead, and I can't live in a world where that's true.
2: <laughs> There's got to be a meme about that. <laughs> They'll just be replaced by something.
0: The meme to end all memes. Speaking
1: <laughs> of replacing things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Qbot has turned up a number of times as a as an Oregon Duck alum. I refuse to call it <laughs> Quackbot. I'll just say, <laughs> um, so Qbot it is. Uh, can you provide Taylor some historical context on this Trojan?
1: Yeah, Qbot itself uh, has been around for a long time. I think some of the earliest dev on it that was picked up was like oh eight oh nine or so. So this is one that's that's been around for a while and, you know kind of initially born as. Uh, what you might think of as like a banking Trojan designed to grab bank credentials uh, from an endpoint from, from a user. Uh, and, and kind of be deployed and, and be sneaky and persistent and all the things you have to do to be persistent and sneaky over the last 12 years when it comes to compromising Windows systems. Uh, and, and so you know this, what we're seeing here, really the, the new stuff with the with the Qbot or slash Squirrel Waffle thing is the Squirrel Waffle side of it um, more so than than the Qbot side. But the Qbot is more of a known, or Quackbot is more of a known entity. Uh, you know, used for this type of work for for quite some time now.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Gosh, still can't get beyond the score waffle part. Um, <laughs> and Taylor, I know you did a significant amount of research, and could you ever find why? Why it's squirrel waffle? I don't know
1: why the Talos team called it squirrel waffle. I don't know. You know, I'm sure that there's some connection uh, on their side. They didn't quite make that very clear. Uh, hey, but so listeners, w-
2: we can crowdsource this. Uh, you know, send <coughs> that uh, wrong answers only. To, wrong answers only. To <laughs> them to us. Tom Hanks. Uh, another <laughs> signal boost. Uh, if you don't mind, thank you. <laughs>
0: Tom Hanks is the unofficial fourth host of this podcast, and he doesn't even know.
2: Silent. It. <laughs> he's,
1: he's silent. He's in the room. He just never partner. wants to get on mic. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of so weird, handsome. but he has a nice way about him, right? So it just, it's just a very calming effect on the studio <laughs> in the white room um, that we never get to sit in together anymore. We oh. are... A decentralized podcasting team. Um, anyway, what pray tell is Squirrel Waffle? After of all this kabafle uh, about yeah, Squirrel Waffle?
1: yeah. Uh, the Squirrel Waffle side is some of the the more kind of the newer, more interesting stuff around this uh, chain of events that that the Talos researchers have picked up on, and a few other researchers as well are digging into this and this is one they picked up in like mid September going forward as a new initial stage motor uh that gets deployed via malicious uh, mouse spam phishing um you know it, 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 you name it right they're they're trying to get onto endpoints and then deploy either Qbot or in some cases cobalt strike um which is the 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 one where it's like everyone's waiting for you to say the line cobalt strike uh so so they can deploy either or with squirrel waffle uh but squirrel waffle seems to be kind of the newer part of this that is being used uh in malicious uh documents initially it looked like they were running malicious word documents that were making docusign uh and then more recently switched over to Excel documents that then execute uh macros and and All the fun stuff that you might expect to pull in either Cubot or Cobalt Strike, um, as it looks like right now.
0: Taylor, I have to admit, when you were speaking, I tried to look up squirrel puns. Mm -hmm. And I came across an image of a very pretty squirrel, and it says, easy, breezy, beautiful, cover squirrel.
1: Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good.
0: Not very insightful, but entertaining it's quite quite funny anyway didn't
2: uh didn't madonna have a song called who's that squirrel <laughs> i seem to remember that i can I can just hear the chorus in my head
0: i always preferred uptown squirrel
2: you know
1: i've been reading on this you, for the last few days you'd think i'd have some jokes squirreled away but i do not
2: <laughs> oh nuts
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um. So, Taylor, researchers at Trend Micro have observed a new QBot campaign. How
1: mm-hmm.
0: are these attacks carried out?
1: Yeah. So the, the thing that's kind of interesting is that they're leveraging stolen email threads. Uh, and then use kind of reply all emails to get in the middle of conversations Uh, so the, you know, you'll be in the middle of a thread and then all of a sudden the person you're on the thread with will just say, Hey, here, check out this document. And then your, your guard is down because you've been going back and forth with them. It's not, it's a, it's a warm lead. (laughs) It's a a warm transfer to, uh, to malware for you. And then you kind of click through and, and let the document do its thing. And then all of a sudden. Uh, unbeknownst to you, you've got, uh, Q-Balt, or QBOT, the Cubots, QuackBot, or Cobalt Strike, uh, you know, depending on what the adversaries prefer to leverage at that point. Uh, so, you know, the, the malware campaigns appear to be taking uh, advantage of a lot of previously compromised systems. So when we look at like the domains that are involved with this, we do see some that, that look like they may be registered for these purposes, but then there's also just a lot of, uh, WordPress, uh, <laughs> servers that are getting compromised and then their domains are being leveraged to send out the spam, um, and the phishing emails as well. So yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. The infrastructure there has also been observed using something called antibot. Uh, Antibot is just some scripts that are used as a component of phishing kits and help activate analysis. So it it kind of blocks access of the contents of their web servers. If like the requesting IP is not in a range that they're hunting down, so they can block the ranges that are like commonly affiliated with security scanning. scanning. Um, so like, you know, some of the folks that that might publish some of their, their scanning ranges may see that stuff blocked. Uh, in the anti bot scripts it's always interesting to see um this type of the, these types of things become more uh, commonplace right the types of scripts that're designed to to block this type of stuff um you know it's certainly getting used a lot more <laughs> uh but yeah, it'll block access to the, the web servers if, if it's coming from either space spots that they don't recognize or timing as well. Um, you know, there are things that they can use to block access to things. Uh, but you know, looking trying to block that automated analysis so that you know you're, the folks like us can't get access to the stuff to pull down um, the the phishing either you know, landing pages or the the malware itself.
0: Mm, interesting. Thank you, Taylor. And I, I'm just curious too after reading this article. Um, there were some comparisons made between Squirrel Waffle and Emotet.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if you were to put those things beside one another, what, what does that look like?
1: You know, Squirrel Waffle and Emotet itself are a little different um, in terms of what they do and how they do it. But certainly, I think the <laughs> if you Google, like, in quotes, the new Emotet <laughs> over the last nine months, you'll see a few contenders have come. And fallen uh, for a while. There's it was Iced ID, uh, you know, with a. The- Kind of a focus on gaining initial access uh, and getting really good at that. You know, I think Emotet was also really good at that when it was in full swing. So, you know, I think that what the other thing that we're seeing is that they are that the ScoreWaffle operators are also leveraging some of the infrastructure that was uh, used in the Emotet botnet. So, some of the the underlying infrastructure. There's some overlaps there. Um, although, you know, we know here domain tools got to be careful about that, type, about making those connections. But certainly, uh, ScoreWaffle itself. Pretty advanced. Uh, the the actors and operators behind it um, appear to be you know advanced and aggressive. So I think that there's and they're also leveraging some of that old infrastructure for Emotet. So I think that you know lends a lot of people to say, hey, maybe this is the next Emotet, uh, and perhaps it is. Certainly, it seems like it's um, you know gaining <laughs> gaining some notoriety here.
0: Seems like a safe Emotet, but <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor, my final question for you before we. Once again, return to our hoodie ratings is how concerned should security professionals be here?
1: Uh, You know, I think very concerned for at least the, the, the time period we're seeing here over the last month or so and headed forward over the next few months to see what these operators get up to. But, you know, they're... They're very clever in in their initial access tactics. You know, they're, they're compromising a lot of domains, which makes it difficult to, um, you know, get a, get a bead on, on where they're like some, where some of the phishing infrastructure is coming from, uh, in some cases, right? So that, that makes life tougher for us. Uh, and certainly anyone who's able to, to, employee, both Qbot and Cobalt Strike wherever, wherever they want when they're getting in. That's going to cause you some issues, uh, you know, up to and including you know ransomware all, all over your network. Are we bad? But so, you know, I think that this is certainly one worth keeping an eye on. Uh, it's some of their tactics are really interesting. The way that they're getting into email chains. Uh, you know, the way that they're leveraging fishing infrastructure, uh, are certainly things that we want to get knowledgeable about, uh, in, in that whole kind of chain of attack from dropping score waffle to then, you know, potentially deploying either QBOT or Cobalt Strike.
0: Well said, Taylor. Well, let's, let's grab those hoodie ratings then. I'm going to start with you, Tim.
2: Yeah, I was kind of waffling on this one, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eventually I think I landed at about, uh, 750 centi-hoodies. <laughs> so uh, make that 7.5 hoodies. I think this one's interesting in that that lure, uh, that initial fishing vector is is really just diabolical. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, these it's just a sign of the times, right? <laughs> these actors are getting really good at the social engineering sides of this. It used to be that they could do fairly crude stuff and people would still fall for it. And now um, this is the kind of thing, this is like a great example of if you have a smug sense of being unfishable, you really have to think again. Uh, This is extremely clever. So now it's not a guarantee, you know, because they would have to also do a good job of kind of impersonating the the voice, the tone of the person Mm -hmm. that they're posing as in the middle of the thread, but they can, they can probably do that. So anyway, that is a, um, that's a concern. And then the evasion techniques that they have. So yeah, seven, seven and a half out of 10, I think this one is, is going to cause some pain.
0: Would you tend to agree with that Taylor?
2: Yeah. You know, I'm,
1: I'm with Tim and I'm going to go, this is just a nice round, like seven hoodies. I'm not even going to go any, <laughs> yeah. You know, all jokes oh. aside, like right, you know, the, um, you know the, this one is, is certainly worth keeping an eye on. Um, yeah, I think going forward, the the capabilities there for either you know dropping Qbot and then watching your email chain and then hopping in the middle and, and deploying, you know, uh, furthering along into someone else's network, you know, piggybacking off of your access, uh, or um, you know, even worse, I think that's something we're going to have to be dealing with here uh, going forward.
2: I will never not be able to just hear Q-bert when I whenever q yeah. comes up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Q-Bert. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both so much for digging in and again, analyzing and, and walking all of us through these two discussions for the week, both uh, Square Waffle slash Q-Bot, and, but of course, our delicious tropical drink, Um, but uh, Botina Go or Botina Go, depending on what you fancy. Um, let's play our fun game Two Truths and a Lie. And this is something we play every week. So you probably know the spiel if you're a regular listener of Breaking Badness. But, um, essentially, one of the co hosts will come up with three article titles, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. And of course, there's a point system. And I believe Tim is up this week and he is actively trying to deceive uh, Taylor and myself.
2: That's right.
0: Break our trust.
2: That's Uh right. I am. All right. Well, Kelsey, uh, although we often will read three article headlines, uh, I'm I'm just choosing to read three descriptions because, well, for (laughs) reasons that you'll. It will become apparent in a moment. Uh, So, statement number one: Media marked marked by malware movers who made major money on Monday with Maze. Statement number two: Apple pulls a Bartleby, saying, "I would prefer not to patch vulns in recent macOS versions." Statement number three. The parking lot at Trader Joe's makes a strong entry in the most ridiculous terms and conditions competition with a 4,000-word privacy policy.
0: Tim, those were fantastic alliterations. You brought your game. What was that episode 101 where you gave us a little inside knowledge of your alliterative? That might have been. That might have
2: been, yeah. Came back strong. I just can't help it sometimes.
0: (laughs) Wow, these are really good. I was so hyper focused on you excelling at alliteration that I did not anticipate or analyze the articles, if you will. Um. Wow, Taylor, do you have an initial guess here?
1: Oof. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the first one. I think that's the. I think that one was a
2: lie. Kelsey, care to comment? <laughs>
0: Um, what was the second one again, Tim?
2: Apple pulls a Bartleby saying, I would prefer not to patch vulnerabilities in recent Mac OS versions.
0: Okay, I'm going to put all my trust in Tay-Tay. And Taylor, you're doing this on on behalf of Chad for points. Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, Chad. Apologies (laughs) in advance. (laughs) All right, that's my official guess. I'm going to pair up with Tay-Tay on this.
2: You think I would alliterate my way to a falsehood uh, here? Well, you're right. You're both right. Good on you. Yes. Actually, that story is mostly true. I kind of pulled a Chad here, and I just changed to make the alliteration really work. I changed which malware it was because MediaMarkt really was marked by malware movers who made major money on Monday, but they used Hive to do it.
0: Wow. How quickly do you think you can say that alliteration, Tim? Because you have that. Pretty well nailed, I would say.
2: I don't know. I, uh, I all right. Here we go. I, we'll we'll use a stopwatch and then we'll say go. Media mark mark my malware movers made major money on Monday with maze. I mean, I'm nowhere like I'm nowhere like that fast talker guy that used to be in the ads on TV. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure you have a career and um, ads for uh, prescription drugs specifically. Yeah,
1: all I heard were
2: potential trends. side effects.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Somebody ought to do one of those all in alliteration, then people would actually like that would quickly become like my favorite drug commercial ever if they actually did that.
0: <laughs> I know the uh, the big wigs of the drug companies listen to our podcast, and they're all pretty good friends with Tom Hanks. I'd say. Oh, so- I
2: hope he's not uh, friends with them. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Sorry. I mean, if you're a big wig at a drug company, we still. <laughs> I know, I'm not going to say we still love you. Anyway, sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I think that's what we have for today. Lots of squirrel puns, lots of alliteration, (laughs) lots of fun.
2: (laughs) So good to have Taylor on again.
0: It always
1: is.
2: Oh, always fun to be here.
0: The superlative of the most creative hoodie ratings goes to Tay-Tay.
2: Tay to the Tay.
0: (laughs) Tay to the Tay. Tay squared. (laughs) Taylor made Tay Tay. And we'll be back next week for episode 104. And then we'll be off briefly here for the holiday that is known as Thanksgiving here in the States. But want to thank you for joining us this week. Taylor, always a pleasure, never a chore. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Breaking Badness.
2: Goodbye, everyone.
0: I said, good day, sir. Taylor, say goodbye to your adoring fans.
1: (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.